Well, good morning. It's great to have you here. I was thinking as Tim was speaking, sharing briefly there, that although our blessings may not be identical, they are innumerable. And I hope you never forget that. Uh, I guess one for me, I, I wanted to do a message for you today that ties into Thanksgiving. I mean, it just seemed kind of appropriate. Um, and so I went to a variety of passages, and I said, nah, I don't, nah. I can't quite explain it sometimes, but if you do much preaching, there's times you go to passages, and you say, that's a really good passage, but I don't sense this is what God has. So, so I, I kept popping around and came to Psalm 146, and I just had this sense, yep, this this is what we'll speak on. Last time I spoke to you, it was right before the election. So is there a way to look at this election and Thanksgiving and smush them all together? And I came to Psalm 146. So if you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Psalm 146. What do the following individuals all have in common? Bill Clinton, George Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump. Now, that's probably not a hard one for you to figure out. They either were, are, or will be president of the United States. Each one has come and went or will come and go. And sometimes it seems to me with these things, it's very, very easy for us to put all of our eggs into the political basket. Now, am I saying that you should not be engaged as a citizen? No, we, we, we looked at that, didn't we? You, you should actively vote. You, you should actively think hard about decisions that are made and make good choices. It's, it's all true. It's all true. You should always be praying for our governing authorities. That's, that's all true, and you should continue to do that however you feel about who is in or who's going to be in. However... Where should the eggs of your hope and trust, what basket should those eggs ultimately be in? That's what this text will answer for us today. And we'll all do it within the context of praise. And here's one of the things you're going to learn today. I was thinking about this. What or who you ultimately trust is what or who you will ultimately praise. I mean, that, that's, that, that's what you'll find as we talk our way through here. So come with me, and let's see how this psalm allows us to be people of praise in the midst of whatever political climate we find ourselves in. Psalm 146, notice how it begins. Praise the Lord. Matter of fact, the, the first statement and the last statement of the psalm, you see what they say? Praise the Lord. You kind of get what the point of the passage is? 
You know, it, it, it's an, it envelopes the whole psalm. And, and actually, if you go back and start with like Psalm 145 and just read to the end of the psalms, what you'll find is every one of these psalms is just all about praise. It's like when this was organized together, the psalms, there's laments and praise psalms and all kinds of different psalms of thanksgiving running through. But by the time you get to the end of the Psalter, it's like the, psal- the, the psalmist is saying, I just want to cut loose and praise God. And so, like, firecrackers going off. It's just, and Psalm 146 is one of those psalms. And so he says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's the envelope for this, for this psalm, ultimately. But to do that, it will, it will be ultimately guided by who or what you trust. Look at what he says in verse 2. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Now notice the connection here in verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth On that very day, his plans perish. Now, let let me be clear with with what this text is saying and isn't saying. Is this text saying that God doesn't use individuals to further his purposes? No, of course God does that, right? God God is over all, and political servants, religious servants, and and people, they're they're all ultimately under God. we, We get that. And God works his grace and his purposes through individuals. We get that. This psalm is not denying that. This psalm is concerned that I don't put all the eggs of my trust and hope and joy In any individual. You shouldn't do that on the political scene. You shouldn't do that toward one of the pastors in this church. I mean, we give it our best shot. But at the end of the day, we're all dying. And and if I put all my trust in an individual, whoever that is, wherever that is, it will always fall short. Because an individual can never ultimately deliver us from death and sin and hell, can he? Or she or whoever. You see, mankind on their best day is merely a conduit through which God works. That's it. And if the end game is a person, I'm in in trouble because this text says they don't have the ability ultimately to save that is reserved for one person and one person only. Something else, their life is fleeting. Here today, gone tomorrow. They may have some incredible plan and all of a sudden they die and the plan is gone and life moves on without them. Can anybody in here, I'm sure there's somebody, okay, don't raise your hand because I'm sure this is going to be, but my guess is most of us in here probably cannot name all the presidents of the United States. 
Oh, George Washington, good job. Okay, we'll hit Lincoln along the way. John, okay, good. That's very, 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 very impressive. The, the bottom line is there are individuals who have surfaced in, 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 in government in America and become presidents of the United States of America, the most powerful position on earth. And we can't remember some of their names now. Here today, going to do this and do that and change this. Gone tomorrow with their plans. And, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have plans and do what they're going to do and that God's over it and they're going to be responsible. I get all that. It's all true. Please don't hear me not saying that. I, I, I get that. But ultimately, we can't put our trust in individuals. They lack ability and their lives are fleeting. So then what should we do, Doug? Look what he says here in verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So you can trust these individuals that lack ability, their plans are fleeting as are their lives, or, or there are blessed people who place all their confidence and trust in the basket of God. What will they find when they do that? There's at least three characteristics that we have here about God. Notice, they will find that this God first is great. He is the creator. Look at what the text says. Who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Is there any human being on earth that can make that claim? Hey, everything you see I made. They're nuts if they say it. Aren't they? But God, God says, look around. Look up, look down, look in the sea, look in the land. Look anywhere you want. And nothing is outside of my creative hand. I am behind all of it. I am the great creator. I am creator. You are creature. We are not the same. But because I am outside of creation and I make everything you see, I can do anything I want. Do you see? I am great, God says, for I am creator. No human being on earth can make that claim. Not only is God great, but God is faithful. Verse 6, who keeps faith forever. What if God kept faith only for a year? How good would that do you? Wouldn't help us a whole lot, folks. God says plans and purposes of humanity and man are here today, gone tomorrow. But God says it doesn't matter when it is, when it was, or when it will be. I am faithful yesterday, today, 
and forever. So back in Genesis chapter 3, right after the fall, right after humanity sins against God, and the judgment against the serpent, he says, you will bruise the heel of the seed to come. But that seed, speaking of Jesus Christ, will crush your head. I mean, that fruit, whatever it was, wasn't even rotten yet. And God was already making promises to humanity. Do you see that? The faithful God is saying, I will do something that only I can do to bring salvation and transformation to this world that's gone its own way. It's beautiful, folks. Abraham comes on the scene. God makes promises. Abraham, not only will I make you a great nation through your seed, but I will bless all nations because of what I'm going to do through you. Isn't that great? And you know, even though the nation sinned and failed, God accomplished that through Jesus Christ. And you keep on reading, and, 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 and you'll read about a covenant, a promise giving to David. David, there will be a king that comes after you that will turn this whole thing upside down. And it happens with the coming of Christ. And, and to Israel, there will be a new covenant in which I will give you my spirit and transform you from the inside out. And it all happens in Jesus Christ. So the psalmist says, God is great. He can do anything. God will act in a way that's consistent with his character. He will be faithful to all of the promises that he's given. Are politicians faithful to all the promises that they give? No. <laughs> Never met one that was. You'll never meet one that will be. But God is not a politician. God is God. And God says, I can do anything, and I am faithful to all of my promises. And those promises, he's going to go on to say, not only is God great, not only is God faithful, but God is gracious and good. Look what he says. This is great stuff who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord who sets the prisoners free, the Lord who opens the eyes of the blind, the Lord who lifts up those who are bowed down, the Lord loves the righteous, the Lord watches over the sojourners, do you notice how many times he says Lord there? He didn't have to say Lord. He could have just used the pronoun he. That would have worked quite well, thank you. But he keeps throwing out before us Jehovah. God, that's the personal name of God. So as he's talking about God reaching out to the oppressed and reaching out to those who are hungry and reaching out to those that are in need, he keeps saying it's Jehovah the faithful God who acts personally to benefit people. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. He doesn't want you to miss it, folks. 
He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. This God who is faithful and gracious to his people is also a God who is just. And he will accomplish all of his purposes in a way that is fair and equitable. But in the process, he's all about reaching out and helping the needy. Isn't that wonderful? Do you know how some of us would rule? Not you. Some people would rule and say, if they're God, they're great. They can do whatever they want. Who cares about the needy? They're a waste of my time anyway. Wouldn't some people rule like that? But not this God. This great God who is faithful to his promises embraces those who are not given justice and those that are struggling because he says, I want their needs to be met. And folks, it is true. One of the ways he chooses to do that is through us, doesn't he? He works through us to reach people whose lives are broken emotionally and spiritually and physically and in a whole host of ways. He calls us to be his conduits because God who is gracious works through his people to help people who are struggling. I mean, that is who we're supposed to be about. And I don't want to minimize that at all. All this passage is saying is that God is the one who is ultimately behind all of that. Even as he uses us to accomplish that purpose in the lives of those that are needy. What I want to do for you I want to read two other passages to you, maybe three. Actually, I guess I could read four or two, but I'll, 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 uh, several, several passages. So, so let, me, let me read Psalm 146 again. Now hear this, okay? Then I want to read another passage. I want you to see a very important connection. Listen to this again. He executes justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, Sets the prisoners free. And some of this may be physical. Some of this may be spiritual. He opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. He watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. Do you hear all those needy issues? Now, Isaiah writes. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 61. Speaking of the coming servant of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To comfort all who mourn. Do you see what's happening? The psalmist is writing about this great God who makes promises. And those promises are bound up in his incredible graciousness. To reach out to those who are in need spiritually, physically, emotionally, and every way imaginable. And he uses us in the process. But in the process he says... Isaiah comes along and says, there is one who is coming who will make that a greater reality. Do you see that? 
And then let me read for you Luke chapter 4. Bible says this, speaking of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now listen. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to captives, to recover of, recovery of sight to those who are blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and all the eyes in the synagogue were, were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, that's a whole passage to itself, which has all kinds of interesting things to it. But do you see what's happening? The psalmist says, God, I can only praise you if you're the one that I ultimately trust. Because you will praise what or who you trust most. But if I see you as this great God who is faithful, faithful to his promises, and graciously reaches out to others, and Isaiah says, yeah, and one is coming who's going to make that a greater reality. And Jesus stands in the midst of the synagogue and says, it is me. Do you see that, folks? The way God will ultimately has ultimately expressed his faithfulness, his promises, his greatness, his grace is in Jesus Christ. In his first coming, he heals. The blind will see, the blame will walk, and a whole series of things because it's a foretaste of what we will experience in completeness in humanity. I mean, in, in eternity when Jesus Christ comes back. Do you see that? In his first coming, we have a foretaste of what he is about doing, turning all this back. And he comes and he touches the eyes of a man who is blind and heals that man and then later heals that man of his spiritual blindness because the ultimate problem is not physical, it's spiritual. And God is in this process of turning back all the pain and all the hurt and all the problems and he does it through Christ who has come and died and resurrected He's coming back one day. He will set everything straight. So by the time you get to the end of Revelation, what we read is there's no more tears because there's no more sickness and there's no more death and there's no more, no more, no more. What there is, is the glory of God. And the psalmist, the psalmist says, if that's who I trust, then that's who I'm going to praise. Do you see? What or who you trust most is what or who you will praise most. Look at how the psalm ends. Psalm 146. Verse 10. 
the Lord will reign forever. Your God. O Zion to all generations. He does not die. He doesn't, he doesn't have plans one day and go on the next. No way. He reigns forever. Praise the Lord. In this Thanksgiving season, I don't know what you're experiencing. Perhaps you've had some terrible experiences with your immediate family or your extended family or your employer or your employees. Wherever you work, wherever you live, whatever you do, it may be physical problems. It could be a whole host of issues, folks. I don't know. But you know what I do know? I know that we can trust a great, and faithful and gracious God who has expressed all that in the person of his son. And if we can trust and focus on that, no matter what our physical ailments, no matter what our relational tensions, no matter what our problems with employment are, no matter, no matter, no matter, that will so or should so overwhelm our lives that all we can do in response is say, God, I praise you for who you are. Do you see? That should shape everything, no matter where we are. So, if you're here today, maybe you're just visiting with us. I don't know. It's Thanksgiving. It may be. None of this is yours unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. None of it is yours. It's a, it's a nice story, but it's not a story you're part of. You would have to fall down before Christ as a rebel and say, will you forgive me of my sins? Will you take over my life? Will you make me your own? And that quickly, you will become part of God's story. Do you realize that? If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've trusted in him. Will you focus on the one thing in life that is unchanging? A great, gracious God who always, always, always expresses himself in that way because that's who he is. Will you live in light of that? Will you bask in it? Will you trust in it? Will you rest in it? So that all your praise goes back to him. And I guess the last thing I'd say, this is all fulfilled in Jesus. But Jesus wants us as his followers, not to be the end game, but to be the conduits through which he expresses his healing and salvation and transformation to all the people that we meet. I would argue if we are overwhelmed with what, who God is and what he is doing, we will want to step in and not only bask in it, but be conduits through which he expresses that to others. Does that make sense? So this Thanksgiving season... I don't want to minimize any difficulties or pains you might have. Please don't hear me doing that. I want to maximize what is unchanging. 
Because what or who you ultimately trust is what or who you will ultimately praise. Father,